Hello, 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 and welcome. You're listening to the Whistle Down Wind Down with Crystal and Mara. Um, what is the show about? It's just a show that we're obsessed with. Um, but to be more clear, um, this is a podcast dedicated to our favorite show, Bridgerton, from Shondaland Media, streaming on Netflix. Me, I'm Crystal, a wannabe librarian who loves to get lost in the story, and a Shonda Stan who constantly asks, is this making me a bad feminist? I love a good romance novel, but thought Regency era fictions were my own guilty pleasure. I now know better. And I'm Mara, a lover of British period dramas and a huge Jane Austen fan. If I could be, if I could put myself anywhere, I definitely would be in the Shondaland writing room, especially to see where, where all the magic happens. I didn't know that there were others like me that enjoyed reading historical romance novels. And I'll be honest with you, I feel like I have found my people. So you guys, Today, we're talking about Bridgerton, season two, episode three, A Bee in Your Bonnet. So let's go ahead and grab those glasses, everybody. Wine, tea, another, any other favorite beverage, and let's get into this. Cheers, Crystal. All right, cheers what? to you. Thank I you. Got Thank lost. you. I got lost. My internet told me no. <laughs> I'm gonna need this for the rest of the night. Okay. You know, you know what? I'm I'm definitely needing this for a Friday. So this is perfect. And you know, big shout out to Barefoot Bubbly. I went ahead and got that nice champagne today. So cheers to you. All right, Crystal. Are you ready to get into this quick bread? Because like because like because like you were saying when we first started the live stream. Like we started getting a little bit more meat on the bone now. Like it got a little spicy, it got a little funny. And then, you know, some little telltale signs. We also got a flashback. So let me go ahead. Let me go ahead and give you this quick bread real quick. All right, here we go. All right, y'all. We finally see Aubrey Hall, the ancestral home of the Bridgertons. Anyone else get nervous when it's time to meet the family? Oh. We meet Papa Bridgerton for like two minutes. Sad emoji face. The competitiveness of the Bridgerton crew playing Pall Mall is no joke. But is there a rule book on how the game is really played? The people want to know, and I'm confused on how to determine who is really a winner. Anthony chokes in the moment, but then has a moment with Kate later. Oh, hey. The anticipation is building. Colin is asking about his ex. Why do we do this to ourselves? Laughing emoji. Lady Featherington is trying to get Prudence together to marry Cousin Jack. Say what? But like Lady Featherington says, look at the royal family. Carry on. <laughs> Lady Featherington had me cracking up. Oh my God. Uh, that was perfect right and then of course on top of that I think we just got done with the uh royal family it's the queen uh is it Plat platinum jubilee that just passed this uh That's last true. weekend mm -hmm. and it was like three or four days and of course we saw my duchess the American duchess Megan um and 
she was killing it in the in that uh it was kind of like that white trench coat dress with that brim hat to the side i said oh go ahead girl so i did so i saw the the like the flyer recently and Mm -hmm. part of me was like wait what jubilee is this and i also said how old how old is this woman and at the same time how long has she been in office in in the seat whatever so uh, so my biggest over thing- 70 years over 70 years she has been ruling uh she has been a ruling monarch uh and i do not want to mess it up because it, it i don't know if it's like 70 or 75 but i mean old girl been the monarch for a minute yeah. and uh she did this great intro scene to kind of kick it off where she's having tea with Paddington Bear. Do you remember Paddington oh, Bear Paddington. From, yeah. from your childhood? It was the, look, I definitely recommend anybody go ahead, go on YouTube real quick and go ahead and put in the Queen's Jubilee Paddington Bear conversation in tea. It was the cutest thing ever. Absolutely adorable. I was like, look at that. But you know, I was there to see um, Megan and Harry though. So, okay. <laughs> I love that. Hashtag marmalade. Okay. Um, I'm going to go look because I want to see, I want to see them. We haven't seen them since the whole fiasco. So that'll be nice to go back and look at. Um, Yeah. Since, since, since they exited as senior Royals. And I believe that was like the, like around the beginning of the pandemic, like before we knew about the pandemic, like it happened. Because we, yeah, it was last year. It was last spring. Because I wasn't. I remember I was watching it. I had to figure out how to watch it um, while I was uh, overseas. Yes, I remember. Look at that. Okay, crazy. All right. Look at me. Look. Now I'm just like, what? Okay. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) All right. No, but that's so interesting. Not the monarchy. The monarchy has always been a bit of a scandal. Uh, <laughs> oh, goodness. You know what? A great, uh, well, I haven't watched it yet. I need to get into it. But the Netflix show, The Crown, everyone is loving that show right now. And mm-hmm. it, and, and it, uh-oh. uh-oh. What's I name? liked it in the beginning. Um, Ooh. But I think it was a little bit too, what was it? I think it was just after a while, I was a little, I got a little too ticked off in this, the way that the the black people were constantly called. Um, oh, it's not, they didn't call, they didn't call the black people colored. I don't know if they were calling them the Negroes, but it was just like, I understood that it was, that was the time. But mm-hmm. after a while I was just like, yeah, this is too much. I, I just couldn't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. I couldn't listen to, like, we weren't present, like, right? So that wasn't a, a mm-hmm. common thing. Right, um, right. But it was just one of those things that, like, as the story was kind of going on and the, any, t- any time that uh, Black people were in the conversation, because um, mm-hmm. I think I got up to the part where she becomes queen when she finds out because she's on her honeymoon at the time or wherever she was mm-hmm. traveling. And then mm-hmm. it was just the way it was just the way that black people were discussed when they were discussed. Cause you don't mm-hmm. see them. They're nowhere to be found in the story. Right. Um, but then when they did come up in conversation, I was just like, all right, I just wasn't, I just wasn't here for it. So I could not get past it. So I ended up mm-hmm. not being able to watch the first season of it. 
okay. or not finish okay. that first season. I know it's gotten better. And I think the actress that plays her in her later years um, mm-hmm. is a phenomenal actress. So I think uh, she's definitely been received awards for the, the seasons after she's like now the more mature queen at that point. But mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. It's, it, it was still a good show. It's just that that just kept turning me off. And after a while, I was just like, I don't need to put myself through this. I can make my own choices. So <laughs> no. I'm going to go. So I just want to watch something else. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I mean, th- th- this is actually the first that I've actually heard because I never anticipated them mentioning Black people at all because it's a European monarchy. Like I didn't anticipate other than referencing anyone of color uh, working in the palace as you know servants so yeah. you so to even have you know to even hear about them even having a dialogue around I'm like okay that, yeah it was very rare and that's it was only joy. because they were traveling to Africa and then mm-hmm. they were kind of talking about like the way that the kings like the kings or the tribal leaders there and kind mm-hmm. of like the distinguish distinguishing that to like their royal monarchy and the fact that they weren't given the same amount of weight so it was one of those things where like when you watch a show you start seeing it from a different perspective because you're like i'm like yeah. you are the monarch right everyone's yeah. treating you as such and yet there are people who do not treat these tribal leaders with the same level of respect that they deserve and like mm-hmm. you can see some of that tension and so that i think that's how i ended up starting to watch for um mm-hmm. and then eventually it was just like all right i just <laughs> That's literally how I ended it. I was watching the episode. I heard something for the last time and I was just like, I'm over it. Um, mm. So yeah, I think someone made a, somebody made a joke. It was probably one of the princesses or one of the cousins or something. Um, mm-hmm. And I was, mm-hmm. yeah, that was, that was the end of it for me. And I was like, I'll move on. And I never went back to the show. That's, mm. so that's, I'm not saying it's not a good show. I'm just saying. Right. Of course. Right. I, I mean, you know, to, you know, to each person its own, I think, I think my fascination with the royal family definitely started when I was younger. My my mom, you know, would you know watch the she she rocked she watched the royal wedding of of Charles and Diana and you know, and my mom and Diana were like similar ages when they got married when they had, and when they got pregnant. So you know, I think that generationally everyone has their own connection to to the royal family. Um, because it's been a monarchy that's been around the longest. I mean, so, you know, we're all just kind of just seeing everything unfold, um, you know, in real time. So it's, it's really interesting, our connections to it, right? It's, you know, on how we, um, you know, I feel like we're able to hold space for both, right? We're able to hold space for looking looking at the crown the television show in a certain lens right going back to the example you made like in the beginning you were probably on board with it but then all of a sudden something clicked and then you started looking at it from a different lens right Mm -hmm. and then you realize you're like you know what I didn't I don't I can't watch this like this anymore and then on the other hand you and I like period dramas we you know specifically you know British period dramas novels uh and so you know and we created this podcast so I think there's room to have both within the same space and I think that that's what we're doing and I like it and it's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast with you (laughs) (laughs) thanks for coming um so yeah and I, I know we're getting 
off, <laughs> getting off topic a bit. But the point being is that the royal family uh, is full of scandal, and therefore they think it was appropriate, appropriate very much for them to marry their cousins. And so, uh, marrying cousin Jack, Ooh, Lady Feather <laughs> marrying cousin Jack, you know, was not <laughs> deemed uh, inappropriate at the time. Uh, oh my God. Um, that was hilarious. Like that scene itself, and I know we're probably going to get into it soon, but that scene itself was hilarious. Like it stuck out for me. I loved it. Yes. And so speaking of scenes, uh, let's jump into Past the Scones because I would love to know what your favorite tidbits were this episode. Okay. Uh, I'll go ahead and start it off. Uh, this is someone that we have been anticipating, seeing, hearing his voice, trying to get an essence of him. We get to see Papa Bridgerton, right? Because Papa Bridgerton, starting from season one all the way into season two, you know, his, you know, colloquials, his anecdotes, the love that he has for Mama Bridgerton, it's always weaved its way in and out of all the storylines. So to finally see Papa Bridgerton, and he's a handsome lad, I do say so myself. I, I'm, <laughs> he's a handsome lad. And unfortunately, I can't remember the actor's name, but he's a very good actor. I've seen him in a, a couple other period dramas as well. And one of the quotes that I love that he said to Anthony was, you cannot show someone your best without letting that person see your worst. Yes. And it, it's so true. It's true. Like, how do you really get to know someone, you know, and until you're able to see different facets of them, right? Mm -hmm. And seeing their insecurities, seeing what they fear, um, but also seeing what makes them happy, what makes them nervous. And I think that that's what Papa Bridgerton was just really like, just kind of encouraging Anthony to, you know, become aware of that you know, moving forward in life, you know, this is one of those life lessons I hope that you keep in the back of your mind for when you need it type thing. And I felt it was like one of those father-son moments. Um, yeah, so it was a little sad emoji, girl. We only saw him for like two minutes. It was upsetting. It's yes, I was very, it was very, it was two things, right? Because it, it gave you season one, episode two vibes, right? Because we jump back into the past to find the missing parent, right? Because we didn't know who, um, who it was. And then we have, by the way, it's Rupert Evans is the British actor that played. Rupert Evans, British. yes, thank you. Um, you're welcome. So the <laughs> other, so, uh, there was just so much in that, in that scene. But I think for me, because we talked about it a little bit about this kind of being the transitional episode, uh, where we're like, okay, now we're making movement. Because the first two episodes, we're kind of like waiting for something to happen. So I know that <laughs> as, yes, a fan, yes. as a fan, I'm in it, but I'm still kind of like, what do you have for me, right? Especially mm -hmm. someone that didn't know anything of the story to be like, what to expect. Um, mm -hmm. So I know like Paul Mall was very anticipated, but didn't really know why or what that meant. Um, mm -hmm. But one of the things that I loved about loved and hated essentially about the episode is just the pain of losing his dad in that way 
um, for both him and his mother being the elders mm-hmm. in the in the group. Um, but and I, I feel I feel like I can't even say this. My favorite character this episode was Anthony. <laughs> what? Really? I am in shock. I am too. Look I at am you. also. Uh, I struggled because I was like, oh, I'll just give it to Mama Bridgerton. But then I was like, Crystal, stop being like, don't do that. So like, shout out <laughs> to Jonathan Bailey. <laughs> because him, his playing, um, he plays his role very well, number one. Um, but I think his playing of a young son who is eager to please, he's eager to do better. He, treat, he, he treats himself very harshly um, in his critique and the scene of his father being stung, him not understanding what's going on because who knows what's happening. Um, and just his, the way he went into like, when the mom's like, what happened? He's like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Like mm. just that repetition by itself. How was, I remember it both kind of like being emotional in the, in the moment, but also being mm-hmm. like, wow. Like mm-hmm. I had to like take myself out to be like, okay, this is just a, a like a performance. Um, mm-hmm. I felt like he played the part. So he does it really well. Like, like this show is very much about the close up shot of just like your emotions. Like this is a great screen test mm-hmm. <laughs> for mm-hmm. actors. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. He plays the part of emotion very well, particularly yes. in the way yes. that he keeps himself from um, expressing himself or shutting off, like he shuts down. Um, yes. And so that for me was one of my favorite things was, was and I said, dare I say it, Anthony Bridgerton in this, epi- in this episode as a whole played his part, like his levels were consistent and just um, consistent in where he f- was at the time. Like you knew that he was, he was in shock. You knew that he was grieving. You knew that he was in uh, desire. You knew that he was in anxiety and confusion. Like he played mm-hmm. his part tremendously well in this episode. Um, and then at the same time, going into the favorite quote for me had mm-hmm. to be Mama Bridgerton saying to Anthony, Edmund was the air that I breathe and oh. no, now there is no air. Um, and I also love how that that transitioned right into her um, going to his grave to bring flowers. And that transition of like, it, to me, that was the image of like, it gets better, right? You don't forget, yes. you know, yes. it's painful, it's hurtful, um, but it gets better. And like, she's in a place where she can bring flowers to his grave and, um, and smile and think about the good, even though she's experienced the bad. So that was definitely, that, that scene as a whole, like gripped me. And I watched it several times again, because I was just like, that can't be it. It was right at the beginning, but it, it stayed true as like the, the favorite for me. No, absolutely. And you know what? Let me go ahead and say, I'm so glad that you did not pick Mama Bridgerton as your favorite character this episode because she was my favorite character this episode. And the actress's name is Ruth Gemmel. So shout out to Ruth. Thank you so much for your range of emotions. I mean, if we were to even slightly put our foot in her in in mama Bridgerton's shoes this woman was pregnant look and when I say pregnant girlfriend is like hitting that like eight and a half nine months type pregnant (laughs) like baby can come in a like give or take two weeks type thing 
And so, you know, just seeing the range of emotions of, you know, a pregnant young mother, not, not only pregnant, but like a mother of like what, like five? She had seven. She had seven at that seven point. Seven already by now, right? So, so she's a, you know, she's been there before. Like she knows what to anticipate. And having to bring life into this world and also grieving the loss of her life at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And absolutely agree with you. One of one of my favorite scenes was Mama Bridgerton sitting on the couch when Anthony comes into the day room mm-hmm. and he's asking her if she's going to join them for a, a meal, um, a, I think family dinner or lunch. Yeah. And she and she basically says, I am doing my best. And she kind of just kind of gives a list of, I woke up this morning, I washed my face, I went to see the baby. Like she's describing what so many women, and 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 let me just take a sidebar. Women back then, they did this all in shadow. Postpartum, mm-hmm. depression, anxiety, the trauma of childbirth, they did all of this in silence, okay? So for us to even get an open window to see what Mama Bridgerton was experiencing back then is I felt they touched on so many things that women um, have had to endure since the beginning. And for modern times, a a little bit, I don't want to use the word better, but a little bit more informative, Mm -hmm. a little bit more insight more supportive services to support the mom, protect the mom, let the mom know she's not by herself. Mm-hmm. So, um, but Mama Bridgerton just, sh- you know, Ruth Gamble just showing these like range of emotions and then touching on what you said so eloquently, then we cut to her going to her husband's memorial on the family ground. So that so that family home holds so many memories, a lot. so many memories and her going to that home, living in that home during the summers, visiting her husband's memorial and providing fresh flowers and showing a symbolic acceptance. Mm-hmm. Exactly what you said. It does get better and it yeah. will get better. It was yeah. beautiful. So shout yeah, out to right. Gemma, Mama Bridgerton. I mean, she she killed it. Woo. She did. She did. All right. I think we have time for one more each. Um, I think my favorite scene, and you mentioned it before, uh, was the scene of both uh, Lady Featherington and what's the uh, the one the maid the maid's name? Farley. Is it Farley? Farley. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Lady Featherington and Farley, that, that entire scene of the two of them trying to figure out, like, who do we get to do this? Like, we need someone <laughs> like, smart enough. They're literally, like, putting their, and you see Y'all their ain't right. together. They ain't right. And they're going through the process of, like, this is what we need. And they're like, what, like but where are we going to find one? And literally, in comes Prudence, and, they, and, the, and the angle sweeps to, like, <laughs> the picture. And I, and my, my heart was like, no, no, not Prudence. <laughs> Uh, and I had to say like that was the best scene for me because of how perfect it was in you know the two women concocting this plan together 
Because mm-hmm. the truth is, mm-hmm. like, Lady Featherington has no friends, right? So Farley really is her only, like, friend, but she works for her, right? right. right. Um, so right. the two of them, so like, dual, so she dual has relationship. Like, tag team. Mm-hmm. 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 And then you have Penelope, who's on the, in the sidelines, like, are you, what? She's like, <laughs> your cousin Jack. Like, she's the only one that is like, are you, do you hear yourself? And mm-hmm. none of it's okay. Um, so right, I thought right. that scene was like spot on and just like everyone playing their part and just like so many dynamics of like, we have a plan forming. I think you guys are crazy. And then Prudence over here who has no idea what's going on. And she's like, what? You know, like, <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, favorite scene. All right, you go. I think we have like two minutes before we switch. Two minutes? Okay. So, oh gosh. I have a couple, but okay, I'll just, I'll just share it. I feel like this episode really confirmed that we were not going to see our Duke. We, we were not going to see Simon in this season because if he were to have shown up, it, it would have been this episode, right? With the whole family at Aubrey Hall. Mm-hmm. I love that we got to see baby Augie again. So great substitute. Shout out to the writers for, you know, kind of giving us that, you know, revision of scene. Cause I mean, they, because they literally had to revise the scene because in the book, he's there, he's at Aubrey Hall and he's semi participating in Paul Mall. Yeah. But it was kind of a little bit of a like, man, it would have been nice to see the dude. I want to see my, I want to see my boo and Daphne together with the baby. So I don't know. And on top of that, I've, I've been kind of hearing rumors, something. And when I say a hearing, you know, looking it up, we might see him in the next season. I'm not for sure. I hope they do. I hope we get to see a can I hope we get to see a cameo of him before the end is done. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just kind of felt like a reality. I was like, if there was like any hope, it it should have happened in this episode, and it wasn't. I was like, "Got it." Oh, oh, dang! All right, I'm, well, I know. I'm sorry, my my fault, my fault. I brought it down. <laughs> you know what? I, I have one more. Do we have one minute left? We got one minute left. So, Benedict, Benedict keeps stealing these scenes, and I need people to start writing him checks. Because first of all, this man was so anxious about trying to hear back from the art school that he, the, the Royal, the Royals art school or the Royal school of art. Colin brings, you know, brings home from his travels, which I think is, is probably, it's not acid. It's, um, what do you think it was in that little powder in the tea? It's the well, it's a opium, but like like what type? I don't know what types they had. There was a whole war. Uh, What's the acronym? Oh God, I'm gonna shoot myself in the foot. LSD. Thinking, but you know, it's the natural form. Like before it became LSD, it was like the natural form. But Benedict went ahead and (laughs) took Benedict went ahead and took the entire pouch, poured it in his tea, took the shot. And then he's seeing stars during dinner with the Sharmas and, and the Bridget. <laughs> I was just like, boy, you are crazy. What is wrong with you? 
and Colin trying to cover for him. So people need to start writing some big checks for Benedict because he because he is stealing some scenes from from folks. He really is. He did good. Oh. I love it. I love it. Benedict. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> they're definitely calling him Benny on the uh in like the chats. And I was like, I love this Benny. I love how they were like, oh, there goes Benny. So that's our boy. All right. All right. You ready to take this into? I am. Are you ready for up to snuff? Well, first of all, let's go ahead and do another toast. Because you know what? I feel like for each transition, we need to we need to have another sip. So cheers. And we're going to get cheers. into up to snuff. <laughs> and that's everyone listening or watching. Hopefully you're participating with us. So I'm going to talk to Crystal and our producer afterwards. And we're going to make sure we put that little ching in so that we can, that's that's how we're gonna do our pauses and transitions, girl. Anyways, let's get into yeah, up to snuff. Okay, so yeah. I'm gonna go ahead, I'm gonna go ahead and just start off and get the show versus the books part out, out of the way. Uh, again, TV show writers are taking creative liberty. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah, creative liberty. Um, yeah, girl, the Fatherington's thing never happened. The Paul Mall did happen. Okay. In fact, you know what? I think I need to switch it and just talk about the things that did happen in the book and in the show versus the things that did it because everything is just kind of like left and right. Okay. Uh, the, the B scene moment between Kate and Anthony Nah, and I have to admit, I was lightweight disappointed in that moment because in the book, it's very comedic. It's actually very funny moment, very intrusive. I won't describe it for our, so I'm gonna let all y'all Google it yourselves. But it's very intimate what happened between Anthony and Kate during that B scene, B scene in the book. So I definitely recommend for you guys to go ahead and just kind of get through the chapters real quick. <laughs> but, but all is forgiven because I like this revised uh, version of it. Because I, and I do feel like it does represent what Anthony's emotions were at the time. So just to kind of step back for a moment, this is the scene where, oh God. So this is the morning after Anthony basically chokes at the dinner table and does not propose to Edwina. Again, a scene that never occurred in the book. <laughs> and uh, we know our girl Kate loves to take the horses out in the morning for a, mo a morning ride. So uh, she's, she's making it back to Aub Aubrey Hall. Um, and, you know, she gets off the horse. Anthony happens to be in the same garden area where Kate is. Both of them, again, start bickering. And you know what? Side question. How is it Kate got all this energy to be bickering with Anthony and Lady Danbury? Like, I really need her <laughs> to, like, sit down and smoke some weed. Because this girl is always on a nine. And I'm just like, girl, you got all this energy. But go ahead, though. So Anthony <laughs> and Kate are talking while they're walking through the garden. And... You know, at one point they're facing each other and then and then the bee is kind of swiveling around and like stab like stings her, like right? stabs her. I know, I know. Like I'm just kind of like, 
I know that looked really he's bad on coming. camera. He's disaffected. <laughs> he he stung her. Like I'm yeah. trying to point to the collar wrong girl. He stung her, right? And then Anthony just starts like having a panic attack, like right there in the open. So so technically, I like that the you know I like that the writers you know may have changed up the scene from the book, but they kept the foundation of why you know Anthony like starts freaking out about bees and mm -hmm. it's it and of course if if y'all don't you know if y'all don't know now Papa Bridgerton R.I.P. he passed away from an anaphylactic shock from a bee sting like mm -hmm. no one had an EpiPen back then never mind don't answer that question okay. don't answer that question okay, okay. I'm like Mara no. I told you, see, I told you I shouldn't be drinking doing this podcast anyways. And then what I, you know, what I really liked on how they translated Kate trying to help Anthony calm him uh, was by allowing Kate allowed his hand across her collarbone chest area at top and, mm -hmm. and synchronized it to his hand to his collarbone chest area and basically in therapy terms in therapy terms it was a centering exercise right it was a basic mm -hmm. centering someone to help bring them back down because the panic attack was real that was like a real panic attack yeah. Anthony was happening which was totally understandable because of his past history of seeing his actual father die in front of him from a bee sting and here he you know here he thinks the same thing is going to happen to Kate um but when we start getting into um uh questions about what I would like to know I'm going to be asking you Crystal what did you see in that moment that happened between those two and is that the pivotal moment that starts off everything with them I don't know. So, uh, but yeah, so that's kind of what I wanted to just, just to kind of put the bow on in terms of show versus books. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was the BC. Got it. So I think like you, this was not my favorite scene either. I was um, like, I, so in rewatching it, I had to watch it again from the perspective of Okay, like Anthony's having a whole panic attack. Um, and also trying to understand like that transition of them recognizing that Kate actually wants something different from him and that she doesn't hate him in the way that she thinks. Um, and huh, I guess, I guess the, there is the moment of them realizing that they don't hate each other and they actually they actually do want to kiss each other and but it, it it felt weird getting there i think that's the part like yes. he's having a panic attack it see it did seem a bit forced and i think that's the reason why it didn't ring as true and so very much for me in watching um just from the beginning of the season even to that point i was like uh, like i think that's how i took it i was like i don't know <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I was like, mm, it felt a little, it felt a little forced. And part of me was like, is it the acting that I'm not liking? Like, what is it about this scene that is not mm -hmm. clicking for me? Um, mm -hmm. 
But in rewatching, I literally, I'm like, literally, now I'm like breaking down the scene. And I'm like, okay, he's having an anxious moment right here. He can't breathe. Like, like I'm like, okay. And then I'm just like, part of me was like, why did she put her hand on his chest? Like, <laughs> like I'm like, did she know that like the heart centering was good for him and the beats and the, I'm, I'm literally going through my mind. I'm like, was that a thing at the time? I meant to, I meant to search it. Actually, that was one of the things I meant to mm-hmm. go into. Mm-hmm. Like how, how, like, how new was that method of just like centering someone or, or being able to like match heartbeats with someone in order for them to recognize, you know, the centering piece. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so then I was like, okay. And then it was just like, all right, y'all, y'all getting too close for too long. Like, what are y'all doing? Uh, and then, <laughs> okay, Edwina, wait, wait. But, <laughs> but we want, we want Kate and Anthony to get together. Go ahead. So again, this is also me. I, Okay, so there's also the fact that she she leans in first. And so part of me was just like, ooh, Kate, what you doing, girl? <laughs> like, Kate, it is you. you you're your sister's man. What you doing? <laughs> ooh, that but, is her sister's man. But ooh. also, uh, in the scene where he botches the proposal, everyone else is disappointed except for Kate at the table. Because if you watch the scene, everyone looks disappointed at the end of the scene when he does not propose. Poor mm-hmm. Edwina is like heartbroken. But the only person who sighs, uh, who, who gives a sigh of relief is Kate. And she goes right back to eating. It's kind of like she can breathe again. So you don't, it's at that moment, you know that she's mm-hmm. been holding her breath. She mm-hmm. breathes, breathes with a sigh of relief and then goes mm-hmm. back to eating because mm-hmm. now she can breathe again. So it's very clear that because, you know, she tried to leave. She tried to leave the table. So she did, yeah, yeah. That she's kind of like, she wants to stop it. But it's also not clear, like, for the rest of us, it's also not yet clear why she's trying to stop it so much, right? It's, she's never exactly. given him the reasoning why. So we finally get to the reason, the real reason why. Um, but it did, it did feel like at that moment, she finally let herself go a little bit. I think that's probably what we get in that scene. But it did tell, feel tell like, sign. Mm-hmm. yeah, it did feel like we like the transition was not a clean transition. Like it wasn't one yes. of like recognition that happened and now we're clear. It did mm-hmm. feel very like mm-hmm. it fell off. It just fell off. Period. Right. So you know, what? I did not love that. I did not love that scene. I had to rewatch right. it a couple of times even to be like, all right, I'll take it. But let's <laughs> <laughs> you know what you do bring up. You do bring up an interesting point about that dinner scene. Was Kate relieved that Antony didn't propose because she doesn't want Antony with Edwina because she believes Antony is not looking for a love match like she previously heard? Or it did Kate not want it to happen because she secretly has that enemies to lovers crush on him? I think it's both. I think I think in one way yes. she wasn't clear yes. on the her personal feelings, but mm-hmm. she doesn't she doesn't want him either. So it's it's like she still doesn't want him in this moment. True, true, right? true. It's more so yep. like recognizing that there like the attraction that she has is is still with her, right? She can't just shut it off. But she also doesn't right. think that he's a cutie. He's a cutie. Yeah. But but what? But how much? How much further in does she feel about him? Him outside being cutie and a asshole mm-hmm. to her point. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but she she loves the fight. That possible. Oh, don't she? 
that she getting riled up. Mm-hmm. She was the whole time she was like, ha ha, like she was having a good time. The horse race too. Remember at the horse race, like Mm -hmm. she was, she was just like loving, just being all up in his face. Be like, oh, like I got you. You were wrong. Um, Exactly. It was yes. It's definitely. It's definitely just her trying to like. She doesn't think he's the best person for her sister, but I don't think she thinks anyone is good enough for her sister. but it's also, I think, deep down, it's the fear that she's just like, I don't want, like, she just doesn't want him around. So she doesn't even want him with her sister because she doesn't want to have to see him at all. Like, she hates him that much. Right. I don't even want to see this man. Right, um, right, right. So, yeah. Um, ooh, but I did want to ask about uh, Eloise. Okay, th- don't, don't get nervous. Don't get nervous. So Eloise nervous. comes and has a conversation with her on the patio. And she okay, asks yes. her, mm-hmm. she says that everyone says to her that being a spinster, spinster is a fate worse than death. And for anyone that doesn't know what the spinster is, the spinster was essentially a, a woman who was over the marrying age. Um, and mm-hmm. so essentially she, the only thing she could do was to like spin, uh, I guess like threads uh, and to, in order to make a little bit of cash mm-hmm. because she did not have a husband to then mm. like pay for her, like to take care of her. So that was the only job available to her so that she had something to like survive on. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So no, nobody wanted to be a spinster because these were the unmarried, the unmarried, which meant like you were unmarried. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. and um, Eloise asked the question, like, you know, you seem content, which did also sound like um, both a question and kind of like, like, you know, there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with you. <laughs> it's kind of how it sounded. It, um, you know what? Ask the question. Real quick sidebar. Doesn't this seem remind you on how Kate was coming at Lady Danbury? Yes. Yes. Very much so. But the difference being that Kate um, saw Lady Danbury and assumed that she knew what it meant versus Eloise coming with and asking, like, is this... Like, right. is it, is it good or bad? Right. right. So, right. um, and the things that she says about, or at least Kate's response to the question about it being a, a fate worse than death is that she says that it's not ideal. Um, mm-hmm. the world is not exactly welcoming, uh, mm-hmm. to, I guess, to us in essence, and then that there's no place in society, uh, and then they're essentially at the end or like they're kind of cast out essentially to the edges and the fringes of a society. And I think the, the question that came up for me is I'm like, oh, how, how different is that to now versus then? Um, and I wanted to see your take on that. Like how, how different do you think that is to, to where we are now? On what, on, on what a modern, modern day. day. The way, modern day, the modern day quote unquote spinster. Which spinster. Mm-hmm. Well, first and foremost, I believe through women's evolution <laughs> of, you know, having a particular, um, particular societal position, right? Being, uh, you know, being by a partner's side, uh, staying home, taking care of the kids, cooking only. And then of course, you know, through the years we have, you know, women's roles have transitioned to getting into the workforce 
going from the workforce, going into executive positions. From executive positions, they're starting their own businesses. And so, and so with that in mind, there isn't a, I do not believe there's a spinster uh, mm-hmm. title. However, though, <clears throat> when you're younger, like coming out of your teens into your early 20s, the, the societal ideas are still there. And I think that is undue pressure we put on ourselves as young women because we think that way. But when we start getting older in terms of like our early 30s, because I don't know if you noticed it, Crystal, but like, uh, what do you, what's the term? Like uh, 40 is the new 30 or 30 is the new 40, like women in their 40. I mean, it, I mean, our modern day women in terms of progressing in the workforce, progressing in their passions, um, and, and even if they choose to have, you know, start, start a family in their, you know, um, teens or twenties, thirties, forties, or even fifties, there, there's a space for all of it right now. Mm -hmm. And so can I say there's a spinster? I, I cannot say that there is like a typical spinster. Like I can't point someone out to you because I've just seen so much to say that, no, you really do have a choice on how you really want to lead this life. And you can lead this life without judgment, especially as a woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't have the same take. I actually think that um, there is more space. There is more community, I think, for women um, who don't have a, have not gone the traditional route. I think also depending on where you, where you fall in like the age range, you may be sitting on that in that cusp of like traditional versus non-traditional um, mm-hmm. where women started leaving the home. So like you're, there's, the, there's a different set of expectations there. Um, mm-hmm. But I think from a societal standpoint, I know like my friends who are still, like they feel the pressure from their parents about not having children and the fact that they're like waiting for them. Um, I think there's still, um, I think Gabrielle Union made a comment about how like the fact that she didn't have children or the fact that, cause she was married and then she was divorced for a time before she remarried. But the mm-hmm. fact that there was this level of like um, of discomfort with her, like it was like she was not trusted because of the fact that she was unwed mm-hmm. and unmarried at a later age and at a later age in life. Um, True. True. And so I think even though there is no spinster in the same way, like the spinster you had to, um, it was your only way for survival, really, right? That's how people became spinsters, not spinsters, but spinsters just meant like you would kind of care for yourself, but you became a governess, like you taught children, or um, I think in some of the other Regency era books, like they're detectives and things, um, <laughs> or secretary. Love it, love it, love it. Love it. <laughs> but it was very much something, it was like, it was like this group, it was like this group of women who had to create their own space for themselves in order to keep themselves safe. Um, and also to have like um, like some level of authority, right? They kind of had, they lived in boarding houses, right? They still had someone that was like overseeing the group uh, of them. And then um, they didn't have as much access, but I think now we have more access, but there's yeah. still like some level of society that's still trying to catch up and meet people where they are. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think there's still a lot of like, 
pressure and expectations, particularly if you're not in the Western world and you start thinking about cultural yes. um, expectations, yes. very yes. different. It's exactly. kind of the expectation yes, just like, now's the time, like, what are you doing, right? And so I think uh, in that sense, I feel like there is a lot of similarities in the way that women are treated or expected to, to show up um, in, in the world uh, as a result of uh, being unwed or being unmarried. Um, same thing, result. Uh, but I guess you, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, there, so so yeah, so I thought that was it was very interesting uh, to take to, to hear that conversation, and it also mm-hmm. made me think of um, Shonda Rhimes when she talked about in her book about the fact that she didn't want to be married and how she was engaged and uh, she broke mm-hmm. off the engagement and she was like this wow. wasn't this wasn't like she knew that it wasn't for her that wasn't the image of the picture that she had in her mind and mm-hmm. um, and it was like a picture perfect imagery um, mm-hmm. you get a chance to read mm-hmm. her your yes book she talks about it and. The fact that, you know, when she decided to adopt her kids, like it was something that, you know, she wanted to do and it wasn't, um, it's like, it was still her, it was still like a big deal, right? Like it wasn't just mm-hmm. like, oh, well, like, I'd like to have kids. So if you're like, I'm going to adopt children, it was like, oh, you're going to do that by yourself. There was still like this, mm-hmm. uh, I don't say stigma, but there's essentially a stigma attached to like, uh, yeah. you should be with someone and like the expectation Agreed. of how you're supposed to live your life and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, a lot of things to say that I still think that is, it's still very present. I think I also do agree with you though, that there is more space um, for the variety that is life and, and, and being a woman and how you show up and um, yeah, like how you present to yourself, yourself in the world. Yeah, but I just, I was really good. I thought it was really good. I just came back. <laughs> no, you know what? I I really appreciated that question. I think I didn't look into I didn't look into that question as deeply. So and they, and so I I appreciate you to you know for you know bringing that up. Absolutely, and and especially the family cultural aspects. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, those the those expectations I think will be around for forever. And yeah. I think that there will be slight modifications, but, you know, you know, depending on what family you come from. Mm-hmm. I did have another thing. I don't know if you had one that you're itching to get out, but I did have one more. Go for it. Go for it. So uh, there's, it's this, I think it's this piece about duty. So it's not a question, per <gasps> se, but it's just the thought of I think I wrote that down too. I think I wrote it down too. Okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I think there's a lot of different levels of it, but I think one piece of it is like this duty of the first child in this story, right? Mm-hmm. Anthony and uh, Kate are both the firstborns. Um, granted, Kate's mom is her stepmom, um, but it's kind of like this thing about, there was this piece that you're, you're seeing, you're just like, wow. Number one, all of these kids have lost a parent. Like even go back to season one, I'm just like, dang, everybody lost somebody. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody has lost a parent, um, which is already its own like trauma. I'm just like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> the other part was like, when someone dies and like essentially everything is run by two in, in this society, um, the second or the firstborn becomes the next set of the pair. And it seems like in the first scenario, right? Like Anthony's mom, has she she can't do it right she can't breathe without her husband right. and so everything falls on 
the Viscount, the new Viscount, who's given all of this responsibility and then has to take care of everyone else. And as a result, he can only focus on his duty. He has no time or he shrugs off everything else that has to do with himself. Mm-hmm. And then the same mm-hmm. goes for Kate, which Daphne is the only one that calls it out. She's like, she's a lot like you, brother. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. But it, it was just an interesting thing for me, I think, just about this level of duty. And it makes me wonder about um, how much we give to the firstborn child like in like on a societal level and just like expectation level like like I guess partly like is it fair I think that's kind of like what it comes what I'm thinking about is just like ah like how how is that the case for everybody but what else did you have for 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 duty but that's what I was thinking about like is how how do we end up there no absolutely and and in fact I I think I'm probably going to be overlapping you because I specifically pulled the quote that Anthony had, had told um, Mama Bridgerton, which was fulfilling my duty to this family. And fulfill, so of course the word duty comes up and specifically family. And yes, I was thinking about Kate and Anthony, but I also see on how Kate and Anthony use it as a badge of honor, right? Because they are the firstborn for their respective families. And I think you said it perfectly when you say that both of them stepped into that uh, next parental role. like. One parent, you know, one parent passed, and so therefore they stepped into to be that other parent for those, you know, younger siblings. But then I also see them using it as a crutch for them not to pursue their dreams, not to allow themselves to grieve, not to allow themselves to uh, have, you know, to to just have grace you know, and, and have fun and feel anything to feel anything, to feel any emotion. So they're really beating themselves up on purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, using, using duty in, in so many facets and, and, uh, decision-making areas within, uh, within their story, within their life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate the, the note about the crutch pieces, but they do very much like block everything. Like going back to Anthony, when, when the ball happened to go near the grave, this girl knows nothing about you and you cut off on this girl. Uh, like you don't, <laughs> she, she's, and mind you, she's having a great time because she's having a, she's they having a they, they literally did. had a nice like meeting meeting each other at the same place. They literally met each other at the same place. He asks for, hey, give me the benefit of the doubt. And she says, you know what? All right, cool. And then all of a sudden, just like that. He, he exited the chat. He left. Just, she left, left her on red. She, she's like, yeah, you gotta <laughs> And I think it was, it was so nuts. It's like, because the, the reality, obviously, is the fact that he's still, he, he has not, he has not been to therapy. Uh, so he's, he's not dealt with any of his emotion, the, 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 the upset, like, he's still, he's still mad at his mother. Like, mm-hmm. he, so none of that has, has taken place. And I think mm-hmm. it's, it's the unsaid that sits so heavy on both of them, right? Yes. Because she hit, yes. because Kate, does not have someone else to talk to the same way Anthony doesn't have anyone else to talk to and we talked about this I think in the season one also about like the men don't really share 
how they're feeling. This is not new. I feel like we're still in this society now. <laughs> the men don't have anyone to talk to. Uh, like they have someone to talk to, but they don't. And I, I think mm-hmm. there was something recently uh, where oh, it was something recently where they were saying like to men, like who do you like who do you talk to when you have a problem? Who do you talk to? And like somebody asked the question, and I think like it was like one of those TikTok reels that must have went viral because if I got it. I'm not on TikTok. That means to me, it went viral. But, uh, <laughs> but a lot of they kept asking a bunch of people, and the responses for all the men was were just like nobody. Like they were like, "Are you nuts? I don't tell anybody." And I'm just mm-hmm. like, "This is wild that this is mm-hmm. still the like expected response." So, like I can't tell anybody what's really happening with me. I can't talk right. to a friend, uh, right. and all of that just kind of leans into like. Granted, this is from a male perspective, but it also leans to Kate who in many ways takes on the male role in this family yes. as being the one that has to make it work, figure it out, find a way. Um, mm-hmm. And so she has no one to talk to. So it does, again, it just feels like there's all this pressure on the first um, and there's no one to help them alleviate that pressure. And I, and I, and I wonder if it's fair. I really do. Um, yeah. And you know what? I wonder if this will be one of the links that helps join them together. I don't know. I guess I guess we'll just have to see next episode. <laughs> you are so good. All right. So oh, man, I know we didn't get to talk about some other stuff. And uh, dang, how much time do we really have left? Um, mm. I, okay, last little tidbit. It, but I just wanted to be like, this was cute. Lady Danbury and, and um, Mama Bridgerton both listening when Edwina is having her conversation uh, with- Look, those are some Charlie's angels, okay? I'm, I am so for them. You know I am. I am absolutely for them. The, 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 the expression, like the expressions of communication going on when Lady Danbury is mm-hmm. up at the top of the uh, staircase and uh, yes. Mama Bridgerton is like listening in on Daphne and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Anthony talking. I was just like, oh, you guys are so cute together. I love it. The best. And I wanted to be, at, and part of me was like, Crystal, why is this you? When I thought about them playing on the Paul Mall field, I was mm-hmm. like, I actually want to sit with Lady Danbury and Mama Mary and Mama Bridgerton, like I want to sit with them to watch the game. I didn't want to be in the game. And I thought, I was just like, is that telling about where I'm at in my life? Uh, <laughs> but that's where I wanted to be. I'm like, I'm like, they got all the tea. They get to participate without really participating. Like, I was like, this is what I like over here. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so their little, you know, the eavesdropping when they're having the conversations post-conversation, them mm-hmm. at the table listening and pretending to do work. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, they're like, oh, they're like waiting for the responses. I loved it because it's still very now. Um, it's still very auntie, right? Like the ones that like they're very not in the auntie. Business, they're in the business. Very auntie. Um, and and also made me think of my own mom because my mom has bionic ears. So like you can have a conversation and she's down in the room. Uh, and then later on she'll come to me like, so what happened with um, such and such? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, well then you know she said, and I'm like, where were where were you? <laughs> my dad has the same ear girl I mean you could be talking to him straight to his face he'll be like what you say my mom and I are literally like in the kitchen he's like down the hall two lefts and a right in the bedroom he's gonna hear my mom and I whispering about something mm-hmm. he's gonna say well I heard y'all talking about me how'd you hear us 
<laughs> Get out of here. How'd you hear us? But wait, though, but wait. And yes, I'm going to go ahead and take some liberty. Why is Colin asking about his ex to, to Eloise? Crystal, explain that to me. Why, why do we do this to ourselves? And why did I feel like it touched me? <laughs> you felt it, that, that desire for closure? <laughs> you need to get it? I was just like, why are you asking about your ex? And why am I having such a strong reaction to you asking about your ex? We, we do this to ourselves. Why? Let it go. Why can't we let it go? Um, and also, it's, it's oh my God, we have so much more to talk about, but we don't have much time. Okay, it's the fact that Eloise does not realize that she's giving tea. Like, Eloise has no idea that <laughs> what she did. She didn't realize what she did. And I'm just like, Eloise is very young. Um, there's a lot that she does not know. Uh, but her being like, she lives not too far from here. I'm like, girl, shut up. Like, if I was her older sister, I'd be like, be quiet. You did I not like hit her. I would have been like, be quiet. Why are you doing that? <laughs> you don't see how fragile your brother is right now. Don't do this to him. the pot. The man, the man is lost. He yes. traveled the world and came back lost. So, well, he came back a little bit. He came back a little bit better. Like, Crystal. he spent some time with himself, but he still couldn't get over Spent time with himself to ask about his ex. What? Stop giving that man excuses. Okay, we, <laughs> we're going to have to come back around to this. We may have to do a part two. Uh, at the end of these. All right. So, dang, there's so much more to talk about. We can carry it over into the next one. We'll carry, we'll carry it over. Next. We're going to have to come back to these because there's a lot of things we did not touch on. You, uh, you know, so, you, you know what? I still have a question that I was trying to carry over from um, last episode too. So I got to, I got to bring it over again too. Okay. We'll, we'll bring it back y'all. So yeah. that's it. Mar, you want to close us out? Oh, one yes. quick plug, one quick plug. Uh, yes. We're going to be on the, the uh, Monday night chat with Shimona uh, <gasps> K, yes. uh on Yay. Monday uh, at 8 p.m. Uh, we'll June 13th. Our, June 13th, June we'll share that mm-hmm. on our Twitter uh, and then also I guess on our, our regular socials. Uh, but Mar, mm-hmm. definitely close us out and we'll share All that. right. Okay, so that's it for us. Thank you everyone for watching. Thank you for listening. Please like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube. You can find us on Twitter at Crystal and Mara. And if you're listening, please leave a review. We're off next week, like Crystal had mentioned, but we will be back Friday, June 24th, same time, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. And we are, and we're looking forward to seeing you guys again.